Okay, here you. All right. Uh, man, this sucks. I was on time today, and then I had to spend a couple of minutes outside of the recording room trying to figure out how to turn Rush Limbaugh the fuck down. Because someone doesn't turn yeah. him down whenever they're done listening to him. It's just, well, I guess I'll just leave it turned up for the next person to enjoy. Because it was just loud enough that I was able to hear it in my headphones when the microphone was turned on. (laughs) In a closed room across a hallway. That's how loud it was. Wow. (sighs) Well, at least we won't have a a third special (laughs) co-host for a mammoth episode like this. God, could you imagine if, like... (laughs) If, uh, hey, and uh, joining us to talk about Seinfeld today, Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks yeah, for, very special thank, guest. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. I, uh, oh, God. The, 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 the Democrats just ruined this episode for me. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, man. He would hate just how liberal Seinfeld is. Definitely. Oh, my God. <laughs> even today, even, even, even 90s primetime liberalism would I'm sure enrage him. I can't believe he was thinking about buying a Cadillac for his father. Save that <laughs> money for yourself. Die with it. Put it in your fucking casket. Or buy my books or the gold that I shill or whatever oh. products uh, or oxycodone. <laughs> oh, Why God. not invest in some nice pain pills? <laughs> some great pain medication. Oh my God. I'm about ready to like burst a capillary in my eye doing my Rush Limbaugh impression. <laughs> God. <laughs> Well, I think, well, I mean, I, uh, you want to get started? You ready to get started? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I think that's a great note to on for this mammoth episode. But we got a long one today. The Cadillac was a uh, an hour long, a two-part episode. I'm not sure how it aired. I guess we'll have to uh, figure that out later. But before we get to that, we did have some homework and trivia and tidbits from The Seven, the previous episode. And, oh, wait, I didn't I didn't say... Um, Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning, did I? No, I don't think you did, but it's the show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the Cadillac, blah, 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 Uh, but we did have some stuff from the Seven. Uh, And the first thing we wanted to know was, was the Schwinn Stingray a real bike? And, oh yeah, it was real. In 1962, Schwinn's designer, Al Fritz, heard about a new youth trend centered in California for retrofitting bicycles with motorcycle parts uh, uh, customized into the bobber or chopper style including high-rise handlebars and low-rider banana seats and so he designed a mass production bicycle bike for the youth market known as project j38 Uh, as a result a wheelie bike was introduced to the public as the schwinn stingray in june of 1963 it had the high handlebars it had the banana seat it had 20 inch tires and sales were pretty slow because parents buy bikes for kids Mm -hmm. and they and they didn't. Parents saw the stingray, and they were like, "This looks dumb." Uh, but after a few appeared on America's streets and neighborhoods, many young riders would accept nothing less, and sales took off. So we were talking about how weird it was to know a bike brand and ask your parents for it. Like I just asked for a bike. I didn't care where it came from. I'm sure it came from Walmart mm-hmm. or the Post Exchange or wherever we happened to be living at the time when I got my first real bike. But in '63, kids were like, "Oh yeah, I, I got to have the stingray." And in December of '63. And the Schwinn Reporter, which I guess is like the shareholder <laughs> newsletter or something. I really don't know. <laughs> Unless there's like a whole magazine dedicated to Schwinn's going it's, all the way back it, to 1963. It, it's the, the printed fan forum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a zine. It's a Schwinn zine. <laughs> um, Schwinn announced the arrival of the Deluxe Stingray, which had fenders, white wall tires, 
the padded banana seat. Ooh. And in 64, in 64, the summer of 64, the super deluxe Stingray uh, was introduced, which included a front spring fork and a new sleeker banana seat and a high loop sissy bar. I don't know what a sissy bar is. I think it's something that. Um, it keeps it, you from tipping over when you do wheelies. Is that right? Uh, no, that that is literally just oh. called a, a wheelie bar. But uh, a sissy oh. bar is like uh, something that will like poke up from like the back seat or like back fender. Um, think like on a motorcycle, oh. like where that the metal like wheel well is that that uh, yeah. covers like the back wheel. It would sit on the back of that. Almost, it almost looks like. The, the back part of a seat. Um, yeah. But it's just like a thin like piece of metal. Gotcha. But it is so you can kind of kind of lean back, I guess, while you're doing wheelies. So it's easier on the easier to stay on the seat. No, it it's pure, What's the function? It, there's no function. It's purely for style. Oh. Oh, okay. Interesting. The only uh the only frame of reference I have for Sissy Bar is there's a great They Might Be Giants song called Wicked Little Critter. And then I say he's a wicked little. Cr- they they they're from Boston, and so they dig heavily into their Boston accents for the song. And and they say he's a wicked little critty with a sissy ba. Oh my! And I'm like, gosh. I don't know what that is, but I like it. What is a sissy ba? With a sissy ba, <laughs> sissy ba, and he lays a patch on the ta. Oh. Um, yeah, and the the oh, it's a great song. It's one of my favorites from from that album. Uh, and the super deluxe gave the writer a choice of white wall tires or the new yellow oval rear tire paired with a front black wall west wind tire hmm. uh, and by 1965 a host of foreign and uh, american manufacturers were all f- also doing their own knockoff versions of the stingray so i was like wow i guess this bike really was like a, a moment in cycling history and so i was like i wonder if there are any on ebay and i don't know this would be in 1992 dollars but right now on ebay there's a 1965 schwinn stingray deluxe in the original violet and that's $2,300. Damn. Yeah. The lowest Stingray that I saw was like $129, like $129. Bucks. There's a, an original cool orange 1972 Schwinn Manta Ray Stingray, uh, and that's $4,500. Jesus. So, oh, my God. I, I, don't, I don't know if the collector's market was where it was. I'm, I didn't mean 92. I meant 96, I guess, whenever the episode aired. Uh, and so I, I don't know what that would be in $96, but... But again, Elaine's got the, you know, she's a single woman living in New York City with a great publishing job at a national catalog. So she's got this money to throw around on a bicycle kid's bike. <laughs> it probably didn't hurt her at all. Uh, Kramer calls his sandwich Bush League for not having Dijon. In other words, inferior, below professional standards. And uh, we were both like, wow, I, re- I, I mean... I think it was like the earliest instance of someone saying Bush League that I'd ever heard because I was more familiar with it as Will Ferrell saying it in Anchorman, mm-hmm. which he does during a credit sequence. He yells at his makeup person. He's like, look at my eyes. This is Bush League. And I think that's where like it got picked up by a whole new generation of people. But so when Kramer said it, I was like, well, what does this mean? Uh, well, Bush is a synonym for a rural area. You know, I think of like Australia, you know, I like, go oh, out of the bush of Australia. Hmm. Um, and so non-major league <laughs> clubs in small towns were often referred to as Bush League teams in the early days of baseball. And the term has come to be used often outside of baseball for anything, again, uh, lacking professional standards. And so I was like, well, let me look at Google Trends. And Google Trends doesn't go as far back as Seinfeld, but it had a looking up Bush League had a huge jump in July of 2004. 
right after Anchorman was released. Whoa, okay. Yeah. So Anchorman <laughs> was released July 9th, 2004, and, and Google Trend had like one of its highest search days ever or search months. And then two months later, it reached peak search popularity in September of 2004. And that was probably right as word of mouth. You know, if, if Anchorman came out July 9th and premiered, you got August and then September, it had its peak search popularity, um, you know, right when probably everyone had seen Anchorman by that point and a few months before the, the DVD came out. That's true. Um, that's so, true. And I mean, yeah, two thousand like three months before the DVD. Yeah. And, and I mean, we'll have to take like peak popularity for like with a grain of salt because in 2004, there's what, like maybe a thousand people using Google. <laughs> I I don't know what was I using in '04 <laughs> to search. I mean, I was in college. I was, I think I was probably using Google. I don't know. I, I we were an Ask Jeeves family. <laughs> as late as '04? Uh, I don't know. Maybe probably not as late as '04. But I mean, judging by your email, I would say that you were a Yahoo guy. Maybe I was. Maybe I was. Yeah, I was probably a Yahoo guy uh, in high school. When in like the infancy of the internet, I was a web crawler guy. But I think Webcrawler had already gone away by the time 04 rolled around. But but you're right. It probably, you know, search data from the early 2000s, you're right, is probably like that, uh, that, odd at best. But, that peak in September of 04 would barely be a blip today, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I probably, the just searching for Bush League once in Google Trends probably like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> jettisoned it into the upper echelon of, of search terms that so, day. so you mean to tell or, me you know it's the first time anyone had searched for it that's true. so you mean to tell me that it didn't come from nascar no no <laughs> no it was just people calling uh yeah i, I love that theory that sounded right to me because sometimes i you know i i will in my mind spell it with the c in there i'm like oh bush league with like with a c <laughs> like the beer but uh but no it's more of just a synonym for for the middle of nowhere uh, so the sound you hear right now is Ted's Sunday school teacher's audible disappointment because the scene where Newman decides who gets to keep the bike is not based in, in Esther. It Damn is based it. on the biblical story, The Judgment of Solomon, which is from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. <sighs> yeah. Damn it. Uh, I, 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 was I totally close. believed you, too. I, mean, I was you, close. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> that's my that's my Sunday school teacher, aka my mom's audible disappointment for not knowing <laughs> King Solomon or Esther. I didn't correct you, so everyone has just as much right, if not more, to be disappointed in me. <laughs> uh, but in the story, two mothers living in the same house, each the mother of an infant son, came to King Solomon. One of the babies, so two moms, two babies, one of the babies had been smothered. So that's what you remembered. You were like, I think a baby does die? Or, like, does get cut in half or whatever. Okay. Um, I think I said, wait. I was like, I think you were like, I think there is a, I think the baby does die. And I was like, wait, did they cut it in half? And that's where you were like, I don't know. Don't <laughs> I think. But so the, it does start with that. So uh, the one of the babies had been smothered and each claimed the remaining boy as their own. And so after some deliberation, King Solomon calls for a sword. He says, there's only one fair solution. Cut the baby in half. And then the boy's true mother is out, you know, uh, don't kill my baby and then king solomon gives the baby to the real mother realizing that the true mother's instincts were to protect her child 
I like just how like did with the bike. I like how even though I was mostly wrong, uh, we got up to the point of like, wait, so the baby does die, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Where everything else, I'm like, no, take my word on this, even though I'm to- <laughs> totally not the person to be asking about this. <laughs> you sounded so con. I mean, you sounded so confident. You're like Esther. I know Esther when I hear it, and that's Esther. I was like, "Wow!" I, I was so impressed. If you listen to that episode, it's like, "Wow, Ted." I I knew it was from the Bible, but I mean, to get right down to the book, wow. <laughs> so uh, I I don't think I mentioned this last week, but I was really interested in Carrie's husband Ken from the episode. Because I totally recognized him, and so I did a little dive on Ken Hudson Campbell. Uh, his name, his real name in, in real life is Ken. And when I saw this credit, I was like, "That's where I—he's Santa, quote unquote, in Home Alone. He's Whoa. the like Plaza Santa that Kevin goes to see. And he's like, I know you're not the real Santa, but I know you know him. So blah blah blah. He talks about his family. That's Ken. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he then spent three years playing animal on the fox tv series herman's head we've talked about that show before too that was um i think i remember watching that show a little bit i think the humor was probably above me whenever it was on um but it was like this guy's personality would like work inside his head and you see him interact with people in real life and they'd go inside his head and he had all these funny characters in there kind of like inside out it was very much a sitcom version of inside out like the the uh, called the, herman's the yeah. pixar movie the Pixar movie, yeah, oh, yeah, because okay. you'd go inside this guy's head, and and there was all of his different personality traits would like discuss what was going on in his life, and huh. and um, yeah, yeah, uh, I I just now put that together in my head, or, or maybe I had before, and I just forgot how similar it was. <laughs> but he was also he was also Buckman in the 1996 submarine comedy film Down Periscope, which I remember too. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't think so. So I want to say it's like yeah, like. I think it's Kelsey Grammer, um, and he he's like a you know kind of a, a fuck up in the Navy. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer, and they give him this like old ass uh, submarine to play war games with, and this like ragtag crew because they like want him to fail. Um, like Rob Schneider is in it, and Harlan Williams is in it, and uh, a bunch of like you know funny '90s people like that, and so they want him to fail in this in this war game because they so but he does you know he they. It's very bad news, Bearsy. You know they they come together in the the submarine and and uh, yeah. Uh, he also appeared as oil driller Max Leonard in the film Armageddon. Uh, here's another place I recognize him from: Man in Hall in Groundhog Day. The one who's like, "You going down to see the Groundhog?" You remember that in the very beginning? Well, it's in the middle and the end too. But um, <laughs> do you remember what that part? No, uh, I Man in I, Hall. I, oh, I don't okay. think I don't think I've ever seen Groundhog Day. Oh my gosh, that's a shame. I'll tell you what, Ted, the perfect occasion is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you just go ahead and watch it for Groundhog Day. I, I think the I think oh, the it's thing a masterpiece. I think I was like never drawn to watch it because I grew up like fifteen minutes away from where the movie takes place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know why that would put me off from watching it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm like, eh, everyone's talking about Punxsutawney. Everyone always talks about Punxsutawney. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> so fucking what? 
<laughs> well, was it because I mean, it's if being only fifteen minutes away. Was there any overrun of tourists? You know, because you can't stay in Punxsutawney unless you book like now <laughs> for twenty thirty. You know, so were you overrun by tourists at that point? And like, oh no, were, were, uh... oh no, people go people go to Punxsutawney and they don't go anywhere else. You want to know why? Because there is nothing else. <laughs> it is field. So they- you guys, do you have a hotel? That anyone can stay at? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's hotels. Uh, not, not in. Uh, like, not in your town. Not in my town. No, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know if like the lines were longer at Sheets or whatever, and you just got upset every year around <laughs> Groundhog Day. They, they definitely are longer. Um, <laughs> but you want to know what? Uh, that is one of the days that Sheets gives out free coffee. I'm pretty sure. Oh dang! Yeah, I, I think it's. Nice. Uh, I think it's um christmas new year's and groundhog day huh well um you should definitely i mean it's got two one-off seinfeld characters it's got ken and it's got stanley tobolowski who played the weird doctor in that early season uh, that turned george blue oh or whatever God. it was uh, <laughs> so i don't know if it qualifies for our christmas episode but we could uh, we could always do that is there any connection to christmas probably not because it Happens in February, it's, right? It's Groundhog Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's snowy, and and uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like it's it's got a Christmassy vibe. <laughs> um, and, and Ken was also the voice of Baby Bob in FreeInternet.com ads, which I guess was like kind of like an early E Trade baby. It was like a baby that talked oh, or something man. like that. Yeah, and then they so they gave this internet free.com advertisement baby a series on CBS called Baby Bob, uh, where after discovering that their son can talk like an adult, um, you know, these parents, uh, I guess, you know, that's where hilarity ensues. It, it lasted 14 episodes across two seasons in 2002 to 2003. <laughs> so you mean yeah. to tell me that there is some network executive who has at some <laughs> point uttered the sentence, yes, I would like to give Baby Bob a second <laughs> season. Let's greenlight a second season for Baby Bob. Yeah, yeah ba- the- Baby Baby Bob season two? Absolutely. <laughs> the advertising mascot. But don't forget, I, I believe CBS was the same network that gave the Geico Cavemen their own show. <laughs> uh, I, no, that, <laughs> Which, was, honestly, that was ABC. And they that was only, ABC? Okay. That was ABC, and they only made it into season one. They did not have a season two. Ah. Uh. Did you watch that? Because I totally watched it. I did too. I, I at least watched yeah. the first uh, first couple episodes of it. There's a really good um, Forgotten Failures uh, YouTube video about it, though. It's uh, Forgotten Failures is like a, a series on like failed uh, like failed network shows and, and just like yeah. other like catastrophic misses, and <laughs> they they talk about like the genesis of like the caveman character and they talk about um like how there's an entire pilot that like uh aired once and then was never seen again because they just (laughs) they retooled the entire show and i'm like oh my god i i i remember all of this and like the jokes are so bad (laughs) Uh, but what, what I didn't remember though, is, you know, who played one of the cavemen in one of his, Nick ver- Kroll. yeah, in, in one of his very yeah. first like starring roles. It's nuts. Yeah. When I found that out, like pretty recently, I was like, that is crazy. 
Oh, man. Speaking of Nick Kroll, yeah. as this episode is out, there's uh, season four of Big Mouth on Netflix. Hey. Wow. I got to catch up on that. Starting at season one. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but I, hear, I hear good things. I have good things. Uh, so Ken Campbell was also the voice of the Beaver Gordon, along with Norm MacDonald, for a Canadian uh, cell phone company, which sounds awesome. <laughs> and he's also one of the imaging voices, or was one of the imaging voices for... WHLK in Cleveland, Ohio, 106.5 The Lake. Whoa! And he's now the primary imaging voice on KYOT in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, my God. I think God. that's cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he Oh, and, and Ted, he does have one Disney credit role. And oh, I wonder Lord. if you've seen it. Do you know what's considered to be the first DCOM ever? Um. Oh, God. Uh, give me a hint. What year? Uh, two th- I'm sorry, 1997. 97. Oh, yeah. God. It's about, um, a, I'll give you another hint. It's about a mummy. Uh, Have you seen this? this I, I'm going to know the name as soon as you say it. <laughs> it's called Under Wraps. I, under Wraps. It, does, it doesn't really ring a bell, no. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, I don't know who he plays. Oh, he plays Bruce, the owner of an ominous bookstore. Um, and these kids like break into a house they think is vacant, but and they find a mummy, a friendly, clumsy mummy, played by the voice of Patrick Starfish, Bill Faberbacky or whatever his name is. Uh, so it's got him as the mummy. And then it turns out the guy who owns the house wasn't really dead. And I don't know what happens after that. But <laughs> it's also going to be Ted. So this was made in 1997, the first uh, widely considered to be the first decom ever. It will also be the first Disney Channel original movie to be remade, premiering next year. Whoa! So they're remaking their own original movies now. Hell yeah! Give me a <laughs> give me a 2021 <laughs> remake of Brink, baby. Yes, we need that. Do you think he's still rollerblading? Because I guess during the pandemic, like that got big again. So oh, yeah, I want to see. Maybe. I want to see a direct sequel of Brink, but it takes place exactly <laughs> like uh, the amount of time has passed, but they don't acknowledge it, and it's like it's just picking up the next day. Like Andy Brinker is like forty five now, but he's still playing the teenager who loves rollerblading. His uh, his parents are, his, his parents are either long gone or in a retirement home, and they're like, <laughs> Andy, you can't just rollerblade your life away. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Uh, we posited that the photo of Christy from 1992 was slapped together at the last minute with a random PA, and we weren't that far off because the man in the photo with Christy is episode co-writer Alec Berg. Oh. So they did just grab somebody who was the, the, hanging around. The real-life Alec Berg. <laughs> yeah, Alec Berg. Uh, he's got a good John Houseman name. Yeah, the real-life Alec Berg. So they did grab somebody who was just hanging around for this picture. So, uh, you know, we, we were sort of hypothesizing that it was slapped together at the last second. And I think that's evidence that it might have been. <laughs> uh, did you find out anything about why the date was written on the front of the photo? <laughs> No, my guess is it just was a narrative device. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of the episode's George story was abbreviated during editing. Among the cuts were George telling the hospital staff that he's the father of Carrie's kid so that he could fill out the paperwork and write in a different name for the kid, which I think is so oh my evil and diabolical. I wish they had found room for that. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there was also a scene in which Jerry and Susan admire the infant baby seven while George continues to brood, which also sounds pretty funny. 
Here's an interesting notes about the name Seven. Seven is the middle name of David Beckham's daughter and an NHL player named Brent Seabrook's son, Carter. Their middle names are, are Seven, supposedly inspired by this episode because Beckham and Seabrook are huge fans of, of Seinfeld. Coincidentally enough, though, Beckham and Seabrook wear number Seven as their jersey number in their respective sports. So I'd be willing to bet maybe it started with the jersey number and then go, oh, you know, I mean, Seven's not a bad middle name and i'm a big seinfeld fan you know like it made them think that it would be an okay name but that's just my guess oh my god that would be incredible yeah because i can't think that a wife anywhere in the world would let a seinfeld (laughs) reference into the name and have to have a deeper meaning than that no seinfeld come on (laughs) i can't see victoria beckham i can't see victoria beckham enjoying seinfeld i don't know if uh i don't know <laughs> um, George thinks the name Seven is really unique, but the name Seven had already been used in a TV comedy around four years earlier on Married with Children in the seventh season, which ran from 92 to 93. The character Seven Bundy, played by Shane Sweet, so George's contention about its uniqueness and originality of the writers is even in question because it had already been the name of a sitcom character. Huh. Seven was the child of Zemus and Peg's cousin Ida Mae Wanker, Played by Bobcat Goldthwait and Linda Blair. <laughs> That's that 90s Fox humor. <laughs> and they so he Seven appeared in 12 episodes of the seventh season, having been informally adopted by the Bundys. The the these two drop off their son, the Wankers drop off their son and leave him behind for the Bundys to take care of. And uh, then he disappeared without seven disappeared without any explanation other than a quick mention by the Darcy's that he showed up in their house and wouldn't leave. They claim they want to rename him and possibly begin taking care of him. Uh, there's a couple more visual in joke gags like his face on a milk carton as a missing child later on in the episode. But really, they don't mention that he was there for half a season and gone for half a season. And this does sound like some latter day sitcom season bullshit. And for a large number of fans, the introduction of seven was where the series at the very least came close to jumping the shark if not jumping it completely. It does sound like <laughs> something, you know, like when there's always like a younger cast member that they, you know, I can oh, think of yeah. it in like a million sitcoms, like Family Matters, Growing Pains and stuff like that, where they're like, all right, let's get some new blood in here. The fans are going to love this. Oh, and it's yeah. just the worst idea. Like even, um, <laughs> I I, well, I think the, the earliest instance of it is the Brady Bunch uh, with uh, what was yeah. Cousin Oliver? Cousin Oliver? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's right. Yeah, you're exactly right, Cousin Oliver. And, uh, of course, we have you know Leonardo DiCaprio and his career. We owe to growing pains for trying that same thing. Oh, my God. I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forget. He Again, he played like a random kid that they just like adopted or something. I don't even know why. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, was a, it was a little sitcom trick back in the day. I really wish Seinfeld would have tried it. Like for a season 10, like Jerry adopts a kid. I think that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> but only for a single episode. Yeah, and, yes, then, and then yeah. he's gone the next episode with no word on where he where he went. Yeah, season ten, episode one, the adoption, uh, original hair date. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. There, let's someone do like a script. Someone someone put a script on the internet that I'm, we should like do a table read of or something. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure after doing this show for how many years we could totally write a spec script for uh for an adoption <laughs> episode for like a season ten premiere. Yeah, yeah, probably. The year after this episode aired, uh, the seven, a the seven of nine became the name of the main character on Star Trek Voyager, 
Uh, do you remember that Jerry Ryan? Does that ring a bell? Uh, no. What, what was what was the name? I, I you, you cut out for a second. Ah, uh, well, I think they called her Seven, but her name was Seven of Nine. She was a member of the Borg. No, I have no idea. <laughs> no. Well, just just another instance of a of a TV character being called Seven. But in an interesting addition, Jason Alexander later appeared on Star Trek Voyager. Oh my god! Um, in the episode Think Tank in '99. Yeah. <laughs> um. When George is talking about Susan's relationship to her cousin and her unborn child, he says that Susan and her cousin's child will be second cousins. This is incorrect. Susan and her cousin's child will be first cousins once removed. Ah. I know. It's that once removed thing. I I still don't really understand it, but um, yeah. And Newman can be seen wearing a – or Wayne Knight, I guess, can be seen wearing a wedding ring during the first scene in his apartment – it's gone after that and not seen again. Wayne Knight was married at the time, and he forgot to take his ring off during filming. So Ooh. Newman is not married in canon. But, uh, yeah, just a little continuity mistake there. And I think that's it. Hey, it's Tim. You know, Ted and I are both coffee lovers. I needed to pretty much get to normal at 4 in the morning. We talk about a show that takes place pretty regularly in a coffee shop. So it makes sense that we got to tell you about our new favorite coffee that's more than just coffee. Free lunch coffee. Free Lunch Coffee is on a mission to end child hunger, especially these days. You know, there are kids out there who really need your support, our support, and it can be difficult and intimidating knowing where to start and how to help. So here's one way. When you buy one bag of Free Lunch Coffee, you're providing 10 meals to children in need, and Free Lunch Coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. How great is that? If you have a coffee lover in your life, some Free Lunch Coffee would make a great Christmas gift because... They get coffee, and they get the satisfaction of doing a good deed, even though it was really you that did it, but still, it went to help kids. And it's like Monks meets the Human Fund, but unlike the Human Fund, actually helping. Beyond a fantastic cause, Free Lunch Coffee has great coffee that is specialty-grade, certified organic, and fair trade. You know, just in case you don't like it, they offer a 100% money-back guarantee for 30 days. So you get a free refund, and you can keep the coffee, too. So you really have nothing to lose. Here's another bonus. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to you just for listening to No Hugging, No Learning. So go to FreeLunchCoffee.com and use the coupon code LEARNING at checkout. FreeLunchCoffee.com. Use the coupon code LEARNING at checkout. All right. Well, do we have any news or anything? I don't believe so, no. Okay. Uh, we do have something in Newman's mail sack. Uh we, we, we've, got, we've gone a little long with homework, so I, I move to uh, bring that up at the end of the show. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, and I was going to say, is this going to be a two-parter for us? Um, I, do you think this should be like a break in the middle? We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how long. Because, I mean, we're already okay. at like a half an hour. I know. <laughs> so we'll, if, we, if we do break it, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this and we do break it, you'll obviously know that it's a part one and a part two, but as of us recording yes. it, we have no idea. So we'll see how long it goes. <laughs> um, yeah. but we'll, we'll do Newman's mail sack at the end of the show. But if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, despite what you've just listened to for the last half hour. Um, but we yeah. like to have our questions pop up in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. 
podcast, and we will send you an awesome holographic, no-hugging, no-learning sticker, free of charge. You just got to drop us your uh, mailing address, uh, just a good place for us to get that to you. That being said, Season 7, Episode 14, The Cadillac, original air date, February 8th, 1996. I was three years, one month, and 19 days old. And Tim, if you are counting this episode and every other episode we have left, we've got 53 episodes before we become a... I know we've already had the decom idea. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> of becoming a decom podcast. I, I don't know if you. Uh, uh, I, don't, um, I don't know if you saw the the tweet uh, as we're recording this. The tweet that I posted uh, this morning from uh, the fight last night. It was uh, Jake Paul, the YouTuber, had a second <laughs> boxing match and he knocked this oh, no. dude out. Wow! But, but uh, I, I mean. It, Jake Paul's 23 and he's 1 and 0. This dude was an unranked scrub and he's 36. He's a former basketball player. <laughs> um, but uh, he, I just tweeted the video. It's like me waking up whenever I realize that we only have a year left to do this show. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Ne- ne- wow. Next, ne- as long as they keep coming out weekly. Yeah. Ne- next week will be uh, the one year remaining mark. Wow. Yeah. I remember. I wrote it down. Yeah, we at one point our our end date was around May fifteenth, twenty twenty two. But I guess we are we're running faster. I oh, guess I think what because happened? of there was like certain double episodes that we've done as single. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah. We guessed like three years, ten months, and ten days from the the start, and that's that's where it would land. So did, we'll see. Did we say we may have said like May of twenty twenty one? And then it got pushed back that- with our hiatuses. Yeah. Our hi- hi- hiatus eye? Hi- hi- hiatus eye? <laughs> <laughs> 2022 does sound incorrect, but did we we started in 2019, right? 2018. Oh, okay. Well, then three years, 10 months. I don't know. That 10 months in there is almost an extra year, you know? Yeah. I, I, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to do do some math and see like what... What happened? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, okay, if you, are, if you are looking in TV Guide the night of February 8th, Oh, but by the way, I think, our, I, I think our next podcast should be... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We start to watch... We, we watch more sitcoms, but only after they've added, like, a younger character. Like yes. We're, we're yes. We only yeah, watch oh, from it's the... it's called Cousin Oliver. We Oh, fuck. Uh, we only watch <laughs> from the point where they're landing after jumping the shark. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, if, you, if you're if you looking at TV Guide the night of February 8th, 1996, you are going to see Jerry surprises his parents, parenthetical, Barney Martin and Liz Sheridan, with a new Cadillac. <laughs> I kind of like it. Um, and by the way, when you mentioned the date, like February 8th or whatever, and, and there's some stunt casting in this episode, I think this was like a post-Super Bowl episode or something like that. It was like a very important oh, time man. slot, I that think. That would make sense. That, was... that would make sense with how long it is. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, what yeah. Super Bowl would be 1996? Um, Super Bowl. It would be Super Bowl 30. Google Super Bowl. It would be Super Bowl 30, which was, uh, yeah. you know, Tim, it was on January 28th, 1996. Ah, interesting. Well, Okay. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why this was such a special episode, but um, I remember it being a big deal that we had this uh, this certain cast member. Not to spoil anything yet, but a certain special guest, and it felt like a very post Super Bowl 
episode to me. But um, we will get there. And we open, as usual, with stand-up bit. And this is about how old people in Florida drive very slow. Uh, they drive slow and they sit low, Jerry says. More of that rhyming comedy that you love so bad. <laughs> um, and I, I remember this joke. For some reason, whenever I see somebody with a turn signal on, I think of this joke that... It, that's a legal leaving your turn signal on in Florida is a legal maneuver. It's called an eventual left. I have always loved that joke. <laughs> I think it's so funny. And every time I see someone with a a blinker on that's obviously not turning, I think of this joke: an eventual left. Then he also ends by saying that uh, you know they they pull right out of their driveway without looking. I guess they've lasted this long. Um, and then he does he does an interesting little shuffle backwards. You know more of that physical comedy from jerry that he pulls out every now and then more often than i think he does not often at all but when when he pulls it out it's it's typically pretty funny it it typically works yeah yeah he uses it very well whenever he does anything physical we open in jerry's apartment and jerry is back from a great gig he killed the audience was great it was his highest paying job ever and kramer comes in to greet him and uh, he shows kramer begrudgingly the check that he got and Kramer is blown away. But again, remember from last episode, $50 is, is too much to Kramer. So mm-hmm. um, we, can't judge, we can't judge by his reaction how much this <laughs> is at this point. Because Kramer is blown away. And I love that he says to Jerry, you're rich. God. <laughs> like, okay. Just, how much do you think the check was? How much do you think Jerry made from this one gig? I mean, I'm going to say like $30,000. See, my mind went to fifty for some reason. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that sounds good too. Yeah, it's somewhere in that range. I think that's a good range. I think I lowballed it, and you're, you know, maybe on the higher end. But but he does buy, as we're going to find out, an entire Cadillac with it. That's true. Like I, I'm guessing he just pays straight up cash. So fifty grand. I mean, and and later on he says he wants all of the options. Mm-hmm. So that could that could be as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, or or did he like did it take care of most of it and whatever he has. You know, we never really understand. You know, we never really get a price on the Cadillac. Uh, that would help us out a lot. Knowing Jerry's character, I don't think he would have put any of his like old money into it. You, you know what I mean? You know what I mean by yeah. old money, like yeah. money that he had before this check. I don't think he would have spent anything on this car if he didn't have this <laughs> money immediately, like come into his possession. Well, then maybe fifty is a good guess because I don't know what a Cadillac cost in nineteen ninety two. But especially a fully loaded one like this, a giant sedan. But would he have spent the entirety of the check? Mm. I would venture to say fifty is a good guess because then he could buy an awesome Cadillac for like forty and still have some left over. Mm. And I think that's within his character to go. I'm not going to spend all this money on my dad, but I'm going to spend most of it. <laughs> I want some left over for me. You know. Um, so yeah, there, there's no way to we never get an answer, but I think we have a pretty good estimation. Uh, by the way, Superman is still on the bookshelf and the fridge. The Action Comics uh, cover magnet is on the fridge. Uh, we cut to Monks, and Elaine is eating lunch with Katie, and I don't know who this actress is, but she looked really familiar. I think her name was Anna something or other. I'm gonna write this down for homework. Um, who this Katie actress was? I usually do that anyway, but um, and I think she hosted. Um, I think she was one of the hosts of that TBS or TNT show, Dinner in a Movie. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, they'd like make a recipe or maybe even a full meal while they showed like a classic TBS or cable TV movie. Yeah, you and know, they would um, just like cut in. It would be inspired. They would just cut in like yeah. with, with the cooking, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And the hosts were like hilarious. I think she was one of them. And there was like a funny dude and, and they'd do skits and then they'd like, you know, um, they'd make the dish. And yeah, it was just a, a fun little way to host a movie that they'd already showed like a billion times. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, I think she was one of those hosts, but I, but I don't really recall. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll do a little dive on her. And I wonder if she's been in a Disney movie. Do you recognize her from any Disney movies? I don't yet? know, but I'm sure she's the mom in something. <laughs> I was going to say, she'd make a great funny mom. <laughs> um, and we learn Katie's name when George comes in. And uh, he's there to meet Jerry, but Jerry's late. So he sits down with them. They went skiing once, and that's where he met Katie before. And um, she's married to an eye and ear, nose, and throat guy. And George makes a joke about, what's the worst that could happen to the nose? It gets stuffed? Come on. Um, and Katie goes, oh, he's funny. Gosh. And Elaine's like, oh, yeah. You know, she kind of like rolls her eyes at that. But <laughs> Katie says that if George wasn't engaged, she would have hooked him up with a friend of hers who loves quirky, funny, bald guys. And that friend is Marissa Tomei, the actress. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so up in Jerry's apartment, uh, Jerry is finishing up the purchase fully loaded Cadillac for his dad. So I looked. I don't know what kind of car this was that he ends up buying, but I did find that in 1996, a Cadillac Fleetwood would have run you about $36,995. With, okay. With, I guess some options. I have no idea. So again, that's a nice, uh, an interesting little price point for us. I don't know what kind of Cadillac. This was, uh, he buys his dad like that classic Cadillac. I don't know enough about Cadillacs to know what it was, but there's just one little the one little price of a, of a Cadillac <laughs> around this time that I could find. Uh, so George walks in and he brings up Marissa Tomei immediately. And <laughs> Jerry gives him a hard time for not asking Katie how he even knows um, Marissa Tomei. Uh, but George is just so frustrated that could be, he could be dating an Oscar winner. And I guess this must have been around the time that My Cousin Vinny came out. Have you ever seen that? I have. Yeah, not for a while, though. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh, my cousin Vinny was ninety-two, so she would have won the Oscar in ninety-three, uh, I guess. Um, so three years, uh, an Oscar winner, still very recent. Is still it, a very recent. Is that Oscar what winner. she won the Oscar for? Was my cousin Vinny? Yeah, because the urban legend is that there was kind of a moonlight situation where Jack Palance, I think, was giving it away, and he read. Everyone's like, no way that she would win over whoever else was favored that year, and that he read it as a mistake, and that she won an Oscar as a mistake, and the Oscars were like. Too embarrassed to go, oh, shit, he read the wrong name. Well, just let her keep it, you know? Wow. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just an urban legend, and it, it, it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. But Jerry is, Jerry is eating pie a la mode in the middle of the day, which I find interesting. But <laughs> I like that when someone knocks on his door, I wonder if this was like an improv line or what, because he puts it all down. He's like, this is no good. <laughs> He's like sickened by what he's like. Uh, he, this was a, was a bad idea. Like, yeah, he, he he takes one bite. I, I thought this was. I thought this was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just a funny little one-off, you know, non sequitur. Uh, but it's the Plaza Cable Guy knocking on the door, and he's looking for Kramer. He's been waiting for two hours, and uh, Jerry doesn't know where Kramer is. George is trying to rationalize. Meanwhile, meeting Marissa Tomei, but Jerry. As he often does for other people, has a moral compass going, you know, come on, you know, would it's, you know, George is like, oh, it's just a cup of coffee. And Jerry's like, what well, would you tell Susan? And George is like, well, you know, we kind of, and Jer Jerry's like, well, then I think something's wrong if you wouldn't mm -hmm. tell Susan about it. And George, I love that he's like, something's wrong, all right. We had a pact. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god! So upset that he's engaged. <laughs> Kramer comes in and he was in his apartment, but he's ducking the cable guy because he's been getting HBO and Showtime for free, and they want to take it out. And Kramer still remembers ten years ago waiting for the cable guy, and he's giddy now at the prospect of getting revenge on the cable company and not being home when they need him, as opposed to. You know, them saying, oh, well, we'll be there between 11 and 1 or 2 and 5 or whatever. Uh, so he's excited to enact his revenge that he's been sitting on. Oh, and, and Jerry's like, I forget what he says to him, but Kramer's like, oh, you don't want to get on my bad side. I think Jerry's just like, I've never seen this side of you. Yeah. What an odd bone to pick, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, the cable company still has this maddening mentality of like yeah we'll be there when we're when we get there mm-hmm. you know i mean they, they, nothing like, has really changed as much as like for us and, yeah. and i'm sure that and has still like still to this day it's yeah a big I, part of their advertising like new appointment you know make an appointment in the app and then we'll we'll text you when the person's on the way or whatever <laughs> you know they're yeah. still trying to make up for this and I'm, I'm sure that has no bearing whatsoever on why so many people are ditching cable and just going <laughs> with streaming <laughs> services right yeah, yeah, I can install an app myself, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's no problem. There it is. Yep. Yeah, totally. Up in George's apartment, Susan comes in to find George watching My Cousin Vinny, <laughs> and according to Susan, you're only allowed to watch a movie once, Ted. Yeah. She's like, oh, you've already what? seen this. Why are you watching it? What? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, like, why, dare you? why is he not allowed to watch it again? If, if you like a movie, <laughs> why are you not allowed to watch it again, especially if it's on cable? Once should be enough. Once should be enough, Ted. That's all you need. You watched it. That's yeah, it. And, it's done. Get it yeah. off the TV. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, that's her tone. Like, why would anybody need to watch it again? If you're watching it again, there's something wrong with you. You know, it's like, we already watched it. Like, <laughs> uh, what do you mean? What? It's obviously a good movie. <laughs> so, we're, yeah, like, to Susan, there should be no home video uh, market or industry at all. At all. <laughs> at all. No, And no HBO or Showtime or anything like that. Like, just nothing. You see a movie in the theater, or you don't see it at all. <laughs> well, I guess you. I guess there could be a home video market, but in, in Susan's universe, you'd have to prove that you'd never seen the movie in order to, like, rent a video or something. <laughs> they give you, like, I don't a know five, how you do that. They give you a five-question quiz at the video store. <laughs> like, all right, buddy, what's yeah. Marissa Tomei's character's name? Uh, uh, uh. And, like, it's, it's multiple choice, and they just, like, watch your eye pattern whenever they say the right answer. <laughs> And you're like, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's definitely not that one. Aha! You're found out. Get out of my store. Yeah. You're definitely hooked up to a, a lie detector of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure that you've never seen it at Susan Video. Susan um, Video. Susan starts, <laughs> Susan Video. Um, Susan starts remarking that, like, oh, wow, Marissa Tomei, she's beautiful. Wish I looked like that. She keeps saying all these things, oh, like, my God. that George has these funny non reactions to, um, you know, she's like, oh, you know, turn it off. You're making me jealous. And <laughs> George, at that point, when she goes back into the bedroom, <laughs> picks up the phone and calls Elaine, who will not make the connection to hook him up with Marissa Tomei. Elaine won't have any part in this. Again, having a, a bit of a moral compass for someone other than herself anyway. Up in Jerry's apartment, Elaine finds out about Jerry's newfound money just buying his dad a cadillac and she gets very flirty when she finds out oh that yeah he has the money to throw around oh, yeah. or something like she that she is suddenly attracted to him <laughs> all over again and uh oh yeah. my god i i loved it yeah when she was like hey, you know just um 
things are more exciting when you're around and stuff like that. <laughs> and like really, you know, rubbing up on him and stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty funny. George runs into the cable guy in the hallway who is outside Kramer's door. And Kramer uh, is in Jerry's apartment and he is laughing, watching through the people in Jerry's apartment at the cable guy, becoming more and more frustrated with the fact that Kramer is not there. George comes in and he and Elaine argue about whether or not meeting up with Marissa Tomei for a cup of coffee would be cheating. And Elaine, uh, distracted by Jerry counting money, uh, he's counted $850 (laughs) so far, Elaine has been counting. I guess she's so distracted she decides, just shut up uh, and I'll call Katie if you shut up so that I can continue flirting with Jerry and his money. (laughs) But Katie is not there. Katie is in the hospital with an arrhythmia and she hangs up and then George's first question is, what about Marissa Tomei? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, no feeling whatsoever. Down in Florida, Morty is eating a Chip Ahoy. I love that he called Chips Ahoy <laughs> Chip Ahoy. Just singular. I wanted a chip, as if the like singular of Chips Ahoy is Chip Ahoy. <laughs> not, not one Chips Ahoy cookie. It is a Chip Ahoy. Yeah. I love this. I wanted a Chip Ahoy. Yeah. I'm eating several Chips Ahoy. I'm only eating one Chip Ahoy. <laughs> It makes me wonder yeah, it was what, such a great... what is the proper pluralization of Chips Ahoy? I think it has to be Chips Ahoy's. <laughs> I don't know. How many Chips Ahoy's do you want? I think that's what I would say. How many Chips Ahoy's do you want? Yeah, do you or... want one Chip Ahoy or do you want several <laughs> Chips Ahoy's? Well, is it is it is it Chip Ahoy and Chips Ahoy or is it Chips Ahoy and Chips Ahoy's? So I, I guess it's it... definitely the second one. <laughs> Oh my god. Chips Ahoy or Chips Ahoy's. But yeah, I wanted a Chip Ahoy. Instead of, by the way, did you notice once again, Snackwells? I'm starting to think there was a product placement deal. There may have been, man. This is like the seventh Snackwells reference that we've seen on the show. I think NBC at the time must have had a stake in it or something <laughs> because they, they keep they keep showing the actual label. Like other labels are often like turned away or whatever. Like I was looking in Jerry's cabinet specifically and then this episode and I noticed there was like a jar of something that was turned so that where the label doesn't meet in the back, that's yeah. what showed. Like not the not the front of the label. Uh, it was the side of the can or whatever you'd want or the back, whatever you'd want to call it. So yeah, but the fact that we can see clearly the Snackwells label and Chip Ahoy for that matter. Um, uh, there's something going on. But Jerry walks in to surprise his parents, and he brings them outside to see their brand new Cadillac. And it causes a fight immediately between his parents. And Jerry, I love that Jerry goes, well, this worked out just as I'd hoped. Because they're fighting <laughs> over whether or not they can accept it. The mom doesn't want it. The dad does, of course. And uh, yeah, it, it just they just start uh, yelling at each other right away. Back up in Kramer's apartment. The cable guy is leaving an angry message on Kramer's answering machine. And again, Kramer is giddy with how he's making this cable guy feel. Back down in Florida, Jack Klompas is back. The great Jack Klompas who gave Jerry the pen uh, way back when. Uh, He comes by and Morty is gloating about the Cadillac. And Jack acts unimpressed. I've been in dozens, thousands of Cadillacs. (laughs) I've ridden in a Cadillac thousands of times. And uh, I like the old man thing. There's a lot of great old people humor in this or like just old mm-hmm. people acting funny in ways that you're like, yeah, they would totally say Chip Ahoy. And I like this thing, too, where they go, ah, they both do that move to her. <laughs> what, <laughs> to what, uh, what did you think of the way Jack Klompas looked here? 
his eyebrows were <laughs> 12 feet long. Well, that, that's what I noticed. That, in addition to, I, the first thing I thought was like, boy, he does not look good here. He looks like he was the, on his deathbed, and then someone gave him that <laughs> shot of Regeneron that they gave Trump whenever he had COVID. And then he's just like, just whistling and like strolling down the street all of a sudden. I'm like, th- th- that's the only thing that is keeping him from like being deceased. When when this scene is taking place, <laughs> but like he walks up, yeah. and and Jerry's like, "Oh hey Jack," and it's like, "Oh hey, Jerry," I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> god, put this man out of his misery." I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, he did not look great. He looked like a friendly, clumsy mummy that you might see in a, <laughs> a Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> uh, but I like at the end too when. Morty says to Jerry, can you believe this guy? And then Jerry echoes the, ah, <laughs> that they were both doing earlier. Um, up at the uh, a hospital back in New York City, George is visiting Katie, who is essentially comatose, it seems like. Yeah. And he is talking to her as if she's not, asking for a meetup. And he even says, like, is it is it yes? Move a pinky if it's yes. God oh, damn. <laughs> but, yeah, he's, he's saying, like, yeah. be, you know, being engaged, it, it's just something you say. You know, like, going steady. I'm engaged. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's just words. <laughs> I love all the ways he tries to downplay engagement in this episode. It's so good. <laughs> engaged. I mean, it, what is, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's just something you say. All the ways words. he tries to downplay being in a serious, committed relationship. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. I mean, with the move of Pinky, I'm surprised he didn't just go through her purse and try to find like an address book or uh, yeah. or something like that to get Marissa Tomei's number. He's <laughs> I, not above that, I, certainly. I, I don't know. Maybe that is for some reason the step too far. <laughs> he has to. He has to feel like I he, guess so. He, he with uh, with knowing that Katie has Marissa Tomei's number, he has to know that uh. he got it from Katie. Not that he took yeah. it, but he it was given to him. You're exactly right. It's it's out of his control. Like, oh, I, she gave me this number. I didn't. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, it was up to her. It's her fault that I'm cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You're exactly right. It's a it's a shifting of blame thing off of George. So that that's a uh, yeah. Up in Kramer's apartment, he gets a call from the cable guy pretending to be the phone guy, <laughs> and Kramer puts him on hold. Sort of, he like turns on music and puts the phone down, saying he has to like go get something from the kitchen or whatever um and then kramer drives by in a cab and he yells channels on hbo tonight you should stop by oh my god <laughs> and i love the channel reference yeah did uh <laughs> did, did you see uh, uh kramer's pasta sculptures in the background still oh i didn't notice them yeah. did you see any new ones i i honestly can't tell what's new <laughs> and what's old or like who's who at this point um, I just see, I just see pasta in like the very general shape of a human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and and Channel had a quick turnaround as far as appearing on HBO, you know, because I feel like it was just in theaters a few episodes ago. <laughs> maybe that was like a second run theater, you know. Maybe they were at one one of those like old ninety nine cent theaters, you know. Oh, maybe. I I used to love those, like those dollar theaters. Did you ever go to one of those? Like they'd show movies like. In their second run, they were second run theaters. No, so I, I never you did. There, you could see a movie that was like going to be out, or maybe already on DVD. Yeah, you could you could go to the theater and see it for like a buck. It was great. There used to be one. There used to be one in Erie, uh, up by the mall, but it closed before I even got here. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. There, there's not really much of a market for them anymore. 
um, I guess. But it was it was there was one across from my college, like I could walk to. And so, I mean, cheap movies. Oh, and um, what was it? They had something with maybe they gave you free popcorn. Anyway, they had like you know one of those. It was very much like old school. You know, I mean, they had an old school concession stand or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was great. Love the second runs. But Channel's already on HBO after being in the theaters just just recently. Down in Florida, there's a condo board meeting, and Jack accuses Morty of stealing. And they said he's, you know, like we they've heard the story about Jerry, his son, buying the Cadillac. And they think that Jerry could never afford the Cadillac with that act. We've seen his <laughs> act. Remember, there's no way he's getting paid that much. Oh, my uh, God. And the one guy even yells, yeah, he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And so a full investigation is launched. <laughs> okay. We should probably call it right here because this episode ended up being, as it's a double episode, pretty long. So... Why don't we call it here? What do you say, Ted? Yeah, I, I, I think that works. I mean, we, we get sidetracked pretty easily uh, <laughs> in, in this in this episode. We, given that it's already a 45-minute episode of Seinfeld, uh, we didn't leave ourselves enough time to talk about it in one single week. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll cut it here. And we'll pick it up again yeah. uh, next week with part two of our discussion. Yeah, so, uh, is that it? Yeah, so we'll, ne- next week we'll have uh, part two of the Cadillac. Uh, we will have uh, Newman's Mail Sack. So we, we still have to get Ooh. to that. But uh, I, I think that's it. Okay. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.